Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Tools. Today, I speak with Mike Claudio. And if you have not heard of Mike, I promise he is not someone you're going to forget. Mike is the CEO and head coach at WinRate Consulting, and he's also the founder of a great nonprofit called A Champion's Shoes. Mike's really a business and personal development coach and mentor. He's a sought-after public speaker, best-selling author of Hashtag Too Strong, host of the Big Stud podcast, and a YouTuber. So Mike's got a lot going on, but really comes from this interesting background of working in sales for Verizon. Then he moved into helping a friend's remodeling company to grow and then switched to roofing. And he's had some really incredible success. Now, as part of WinRate Consulting, his company, he's helping contractors to grow their business, identify some of those bottlenecks and be able to get to that next level in their business, which is what we're all about here. So in our conversation today, we talked about some of those challenges that contractors see when it comes to their sales. We also talk about the kind of pros and cons of niching down, but really digging into a lot of what you're probably thinking in terms of, you know, not limiting your business or not wanting to get bored. So we really dig into that. And Mike has very strong opinions about your Gmail email address for your company. (laughs) So you're definitely going to want to check out this episode. So let's go on over to Mike. Thanks, Mike. So excited to welcome you to Beyond the Tools. No, I appreciate you having me. I love doing interviews like this. This is this is fun for me. Awesome. So I know, you know, you're a sales and business development guy. You come from a corporate sales background with Verizon. Then you moved into remodeling and roofing. In your experience, what do you think most contractors are missing when it comes to their sales? Oh, I mean, that's a good question out the gate. I hear you. I think consistency and understanding the problems of their target audience. I think a lot of contractors come in trying to sell themselves instead of solving problems, right? I think, you know, as business owners, as businesses, what we are, we're problem solvers. Some people do that with technology. Some people do it with remodeling, some do it with roofing. But when you get, when you get really good, what I would say, like an excellent or, or an ex- very experienced salesperson, you really truly understand like the emotional pain points of your customer base. And there's a lot of contractors like they're either just trying to push themselves, their service, their product, and it will work. You will sell, but then you're just, you're kind of more transactional than consultative. And I think that's where people start to, to really start to stagnate. They get stuck. They, they have, they have an average close rate. They have average, you know, price points. They have average profit margins. But when you get really good at understanding 
and truly uh, like a starting with in the consultative approach of, you know, aligning with the problems of your target audience. Like you just, you get a next level engagement level, you get a next level buy-in and trust factor from that audience. And I think it's one of the biggest things that, you know, a lot of people miss. They lead with themselves, they lead with their, their product or service, as opposed to leading with, you know, the most, why well, I the most important part is making that customer feel like you truly understand what they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't like to warm up. I like to get right to the meat of the interview. So I love that you're happy to dive in there too. <laughs> so when you're starting with a company and helping them to identify their audience and those pain points, like where do you start with that? So what, what I'd simply like to start with, if you have no idea at all, is like, go back to your last 20 clients and ask them like, hey, what's the biggest problem we actually solve for you? And I think you might actually be surprised of the answers, right? Because, you know, let's just use a kitchen remodeler, right? It's not that they were tired of their cabinets, it's that they were tired of their mother-in-law giving them shit about their cabinets, right? It's not that, it's not that the, it was the size of their kitchen, it was the fact they couldn't host their whole family in their kitchen. You know, it's not that they didn't have the island. It's that they couldn't host the neighborhood parties like they wanted to, right? So like what we do for them gives them a solution that actually solves a much different problem than you realize. And so if you can go back to your last 20 clients, like, hey, you know, after we complete our product or service or whatever it is, you know, what was, what was one of the biggest problems that we actually solved for you after you got whatever it is we sold you or, or built for you? Um, so that'd be number one. Like I would start there, go, go back and figure out like the last 20 clients you had, like, Hey, real quick, I'm trying to work. Like, here's how I would do it. I would call the client like, Hey, look, I really appreciate. I hope you're still happy there than we did for you. We're trying to get better at our marketing and trying to get better at aligning with our future clients. Can you help me understand what are some of the biggest problems we actually helped solve after we were done with whatever we did with, you know, in your home? And most clients, if you did a good job and they're, they like you, they're, they're typically, you know, they're, they want to help you. Most clients want to help good service providers. They just don't know how. And so giving them an opportunity to assist in something like that, they typically take advantage of it and they, they, they enjoy doing it. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I feel like a lot of business owner, regardless of their industry, don't take the time to ask those kinds of questions and have those in-depth conversations with their customers. Just like, ah, what do you want? Okay, got it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So, okay, so once they've identified that pain point, how do they then use that to grow their business? So there's two primary ways, I guess, you know, one would be content creation. You know, that's a big part of, of my strategy. This was when I was still, so when I was selling remodels, when I was selling roofing, you know, I use a lot of content and, you know, content's significantly more about helping your audience believe that you understand what they're going through and dealing with than like highlighting. If it's, if my, if, if this is Claudio's roofing, your audience doesn't need you to put a bunch of pictures of roofs in your content. Like they understand what you do. Yeah. It's how you do, it's why you do, it's what you do. So there's, there's a formula that I use for content creation, whether it's copywriting, audio, video, whatever. Copywriting is like, you know, words. <laughs> I don't know. So not everybody knows what copywriting is, but words, you know, written format. It's problem, cause, solution, benefit. And the way you, you word the content, like, you know, what is the problem that your client's dealing with? Why are they dealing with it? What are you suggesting they do about it? And what will they get by doing that thing that you suggest? So if you just answer those questions, like if you were on a piece of paper, write down, what is the problem they're dealing with? Why is like, what we'll use the, the kitchen example. What's wrong they're dealing with? They're tired of their family not being able to fit into their kitchen together and they want to host more parties. 
Why is that happening? Well, they need to take down a wall and they have dated cabinets. What are you suggesting? Your design build kitchen remodel process. What will they get? The ability to fit their whole family and host the neighborhood parties. Right. So if I answer those questions, then my piece of content is like, hey, look, if you're struggling fitting your whole family in your kitchen or you're not able to complete or have those parties you want to, it's probably because your kitchen is a little dated amount, maybe a little bit small. Going through our design build process to help design the kitchen of your dreams so you can do those things makes it really simple. It helps you understand what it can look like so that you can get your whole family in there and throw those neighborhood parties. Mm. Problem, cause, solution, benefit. That aligns to somebody at a very deep emotional way because if it's just like, hey, buy our cabinets, right? You haven't you haven't aligned with 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 the end user. You haven't aligned with what's actually gonna get them to make a decision because people make decisions for two reasons: pain or pleasure. Right? They want to get away from pain or they want to get towards pleasure. And so if you can assign that or align with that or be direct about that, the problem, they're more likely to choose to go with you because you truly understand what they're dealing with or thinking about. So the content side is one of it. And you can do that in a number of ways. You can Use it in prospecting, right? You in, From a content perspective, like, hey, if you're dealing with this, this, or this, or this, it might be because of this. If you'd like to talk about it, let us know, right? That's a prospecting message. It's not like, hey, we do cabinets. Let us know if you need cabinets. It's, it's hey, if, if you've been considering remodeling your kitchen and can't find a contractor that you trust, we'd love an opportunity to show you how our process works, right? Because that's a pain point, right? I want to remodel my kitchen, but no one's calling me back. No one's showing up on time. No one's delivering numbers on time. I'm pulling my hair out. I just want to give somebody my money. Well, say that. Like, you know, that's a problem. You know, that's what homeowners are dealing with. Like you could say that in a piece of content or in a prospecting message. So let's say a referral partner. So like, let's say a real estate agent, right? Like, Hey, are a lot of your clients struggling here and back from contractors right now to get the, the work done they want in their home? The answer is obviously yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a global issue, right? People don't call people back. So if you, you're prospecting, right? Focusing on the problem, I'm not calling a real estate saying, Hey, do you need a roofer? I'm saying, hey, are any of your clients struggling like finding a roofer to support their their punch list items when they're going through a closing transaction? They're like, yeah, great. Here's 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 our service level expectation. Here's what we do. So using that problem first mentality, you can create content and prospecting. And then when you're in the home, if you're doing in-home sales, digging into the problems on the front end of the conversation, their fears, their concerns, their problems, you know, just, you know, I, I you could use the tactic of asking why three times. Well, like, you know, why do you want to get a kitchen remodeled? Well, you know, I really don't like the cabinets. Well, why is that important to you? Well, you know, I really want to enjoy my space. Well, why, you know, why is enjoying your space so important to you? I really want to be able to bring the ladies over from the neighborhood. Now, you know, like the real reason they want to do something, because I've used the same example for a while. It's plywood and granite do the same job as a countertop. They both hold shit. People go with the granite for a number of reasons that is beyond the functionality of the countertop. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you understand the functionalities they want because of the problems they want to solve, you get you just align with them so much better. You connect with them so much better that you're able to like build that trust and build that rapport with them that makes them feel like they like they can trust you with their money and their vision that they have for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Makes sense. Love I mean, but it really comes down to like whatever what product or service you're selling, right? It really comes down to, you know, are you a are you a reactive or an elective service provider, right? Are you a plumbing or electrician that's getting called out when something's going wrong? That's a different kind of approach than, you know, are you, are you somebody that does elective sales, like a remodeler, a deck company, a pool company? Those are elective things as opposed to reactive type services. So it could be a little bit different on either side of that, depending on, you know, what type, what the scenario is when you're getting called in, but it can go either way. Yeah. 
I, I'm curious specifically on the content creation side, because obviously you do a fantastic job with your social media and your content creation. When it comes to contractor businesses, do you see a personal branding approach working or how important is are the people behind the business in content creation? It's the number one most important thing. Because ultimately, the homeowners, like if you put, let's just say, post a bunch of before and after photos, right? Or you post a bunch of pictures of your work or the product or service that you offer, whatever that might be, consumers are amateurs. They don't know the difference between your finished product and your and your competitor's finished product. They're looking at a pretty picture, right? It doesn't attract them. It doesn't pull them in. People like doing business with people, Right. And so who you are and what you're about and your core values and how you communicate and how you problem solve and the culture you have within your business and the, the personalities on your team and, and just the way you look and communicate can make somebody feel more comfortable with you. Because ultimately, let's just use, I mean, give me an example. Give me an example of a type of company you think is listening to your podcast. HVAC. Give me one. HVAC. Okay. So you and the other HVAC company have access to the same subs, the same labor, the same material, the same equipment, the same tools, everything's the same. The only thing that's different is who's doing it and like how they go about doing it, right? So if you have, if you're highlighting your HVAC text on your con- on your content, somebody's actually calling and say, hey, can I get John to come out? I really like the way John communicates, right? As opposed to like, we've all seen it. I, mean, if, if, I think most people have seen it. Like when you go to a customer's house that's never seen you before, doesn't know what you look like, doesn't know what your brand is to an extent, they kind of crack the door and say, is that you? <laughs> if they've seen you online, they'll throw the door up like, Mike, dude, it's so glad to finally meet you, man. Like, it's so cool. I've been watching you on your social media. And if you look at it that way, like if you're a social media user, there's likely somebody you follow on social media that if you saw him at the airport, you'd be like, you'd walk right up to him like you were best friends, right? Absolutely. And that yeah. person has no fucking clue who you are. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. It's, yeah. it, it, I feel bad sometimes. Like they're very confident in who I am and I have no idea who they are because I'm in the airport a lot and it happens a lot. Yeah. But the same concept works for you and your marketplace. Like your entire market can get to know you. We'll call it passively through consistent content. Because it's like, in my opinion, the world has changed from who do you know to who knows you, Mm. I think uh, pretty aggressively, right? Because there's significantly more people that know me than I know at this point, Yeah, primarily because of content distribution. You know, my YouTube channel gets 18 to 20,000 views a month. That's a lot of people that it would, I would in my life in a non-content driven way, I would never be able to build that type of consistent relationship with that many people. And so it's significantly more about who knows you, right? And and if you're, if you are any type of content creator, you should know 80 plus percent of your audience never engages with your stuff, but they're watching. Yeah. Right. And so you're influencing even more people than you might realize. And so if you're putting out consistent content as a personal brand, people will buy into you regardless of what you're selling. So if you're a salesperson at a company, you're like, I'm not building my personal brand so the company can make more money. Well, you're just really short-term thinking and you're an idiot because at some point you're going to transition companies and your audience will follow you wherever you go because they're not buying the name on the shirt or the name on the company. They're buying you as a person. You know, when I went from remodeling to roofing, I took a dozen relationships with me that had me closing deals in the first week because people just trusted me, right? And because I had that personal brand with them. If Mike says it, I can believe it because Mike does what he says he's going to do. And I took that from remodeling to roofing. I took that from 
from roofing to coaching. I took that from coaching. I started a grading and demolition company. When I started my demo company, I called the top 10 builders I worked with at the roofing company. They all hired me immediately because, Mike, if you say you're good, we fucking believe you because, like, you've always done what you said you're going to do. You can't buy that type of personal branding without consistently putting out the information. So back, very long answer to your question, but personal branding is the top priority when it comes to promoting your business online. Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that too with clients of ours. We have one client who their, you know, main office manager, Pam, she's kind of the face of the company, like every customer deals with her in some way. So when we posted up a picture of Pam, you know, there's all these comments like Pam is the sweetest, Pam is the best. I love this company kind of thing, which you really only get if you're willing to put your people out there and use that as a way to attract even, especially I think if you're in an ultra competitive market. At this point, I just don't think there's an option to do it otherwise. Yeah. I don't think you have a choice anymore. Love that. So, you know, once you've worked with a client and, you know, they are bringing in prospects and they're identifying their pain point, they've got to kind of figure it out in terms of that attraction piece. What sort of issues do you see when it comes to actually converting those leads into customers? Um, I guess short answer is not a lot. Like if you've done a good job, being the attractive character, you focus on their problems. You know, I, I think, you know, inconsistent communication is probably the biggest challenge where like, you know, you're not following through on what you said you were going to do. Like if you tell me you're going to get a proposal on Tuesday, send it on Tuesday. Don't wait till Wednesday. You know, I think that's one of the bigger issues right now is people don't appreciate the power of follow through and, and like doing what you say you're going to do. Because like ultimately that, like you're being tested by the client at that point of, of can they trust you to do the project they want? Right. Can you you're telling me you can do the project, but you also told me you're going to send a proposal on Tuesday and you couldn't do that. So how can I trust that you can actually do my project? I think, I think there needs to be more focus on that. I, if I had to put another one on it, it'd be, you know, you did not do a good job qualifying uh, budget ranges and price points with them. You know, you could be the perfect customer or the, and the, with the perfect vendor. But if you haven't talked about price points and understanding that, like, how well did you qualify that person on the front end? Um, you can you can find yourself wasting a bunch of time for somebody that just like is not even in the range, you know, the ballpark of what you're trying to sell for. You know, so I say those are two things like lack of follow through on expectations once you've got them into your purview, and then um, you know, not fully understanding the the client's budget expectations are probably the two biggest ones. Uh, but honestly, if you do a good job building the attractive character, it, it, that qualifies out so many people proactively because if someone doesn't like the way you communicate, they don't like your process, they don't like what you offer, they're not going to reach out. So it really, it's a, it's a pre-qualifier where you're not, you're passively qualifying out the people that would have said no otherwise, or, or pain in the ass or tire kickers. Like they, it doesn't happen as often when you're doing a good job building that attractive character and, and building, you know, rapport with your client base. But once you get to that process, I'd say lack of follow through on expectations and not not doing a quality job with with budget expectations. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know, Mike, you've talked a lot about, you know, niching down. And it's funny, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's in the renovations business. And he was saying, you know, it's, it's all well and good, but it's hard to niche down when you're hungry, and you're looking for more work, I guess, what would you say to someone like that who has that 
kind of mindset of, you know, I need to take on all these different kinds of projects because I need to keep my guys busy. I need to keep money coming in the door. Um, man, there's so many ways to go with that question. So first off, you're wrong. We'll start there. <laughs> um, there is, I have yet to see a situation where somebody niched down, got very consistent with one thing and didn't grow. There sometimes is that transition period where, you know, you might need to let some people go because like what you're trying to be from a niche doesn't match your existing team as well. Like, you know, sometimes you have to make hard decisions as a leader, get your business to the next season. So it survives. But Bob, when you do too many services, what happens is, is you create brand confusion with your audience. And, you know, I always use the same example. Like if you see like one of those, we've all seen like that van driving down the road, it says specializes in, and there's like 27 services listed. You can't specialize in 27 services. And you might think, yeah, but I know you don't. And your client base doesn't think you do. And most people want to hire somebody who's the best at what they need, not the best that might be what I need based on all the different things you offer, right? And I see this all the time, like a, like a roofing company that offers like roofing, siding, windows, gutters, fences, decks. Who are you, right? And when, when you offer too many services, you actually dilute your ability to get the right clients in fast enough because there are people out there that want to spend the money. They're value focused, not price focused, and they want to hire the best of the best for what it is they're looking for. And if you're offering too many services, you dilute and you create brand con brand confusion. And so people don't know what to refer you to or what not to, you know? And, and so if you can be like, look, I am the best one-on-one -on -one business coach for contractors in the world, in my opinion, I'm very clear on what I do. I could coach anybody. I don't, I niche. And, but, but here's, and it might take a little bit longer to gain momentum but once you do, and once you build that brand of, no, Mike's the guy for that, everything gets easier because now you're known for that thing. And because, and here's the other part too, right? I think a lot of people don't understand this fully. Let's say you help neighbor A with a bathroom remodel and you knock it out of the park, right? That person's so thrilled because that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? And neighbor A refers you to neighbor B who wants a deck and you suck at building decks, but you say you do it because we need the money. We got to keep the guys busy, right? Well, you shit the bed on the deck. Well, you piss off neighbor B. You know what neighbor B does? Goes back to neighbor A and be like, what the hell? Why would you refer this guy to me? He did a terrible job. Well, guess what? Now neighbor B and neighbor A will never refer you again. Or you say no to the deck and you refer it to a deck guy now, neighbor A and neighbor B are happy with you because you're the bathroom guy. And that compounding effect over time of doing the wrong work and pissing off neighbors, because like, because now neighbor A feels like an idiot and neighbor A now lost faith in referring you because you did a great job for me, but you did a shit job for them. Neighbor B's pissed off at neighbor A more than you because they trusted neighbor A. And now you've lost all your referral partners in that whole neighborhood. Or even worse, you have an active demoter of your company posting, don't hire Claudio Construction because they suck at construction. Right. No, you don't. You suck at doing decks, so you shouldn't be doing them. Yeah. And, and that's how you start to dilute your brand over time as well, because you're taking on work for cash flow that you shouldn't be doing because you can't do it effectively. Yeah, I think that's a valuable point. And I sometimes hear from people too, you know, that... I'm I'm going to get bored because I don't have the same variety and excitement in new projects. Yeah, but, but the other side of it too that is is internally like 
you can't create systems, processes, efficiencies, and cost savings internally if every day your guys are doing a different job on a different site with different tools and different products. Yeah. So you can't create efficiencies. You can't. If you're bored at making money, go get a fucking job. Like you shouldn't be running a business. Uh, sorry if you can't cuss on your show. I apologize. This kind of comes out. But <laughs> Go like, ahead. If, if building a system that creates a machine that prints money is boring to you, like you shouldn't be a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. And because if you have those systems and processes because you're doing a consistent type of work, and trust me, I did this. Okay. I took a company that was doing 2.2 million and I said no to 1.2 million of it on the next year. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. $1.2 million of our services. I said, we're not doing those services anymore. We're not great at it. We're not profitable enough. We need to focus on what we're good at. And I took that company from 2.2 to 3.8 million in two years, like in the second year, by getting rid of 60% of our business. Because we got really good at marketing. We got really good at systems and processes. We got really good at building referral partners and getting references because we were we did one or two things really well. And we went all in on that. And was it scary getting rid of 60% of your business? Of course it was. But I was confident enough to know if we get really good at a couple of things and we can be the best of the best, money and clients will not be a problem. Yeah. So you did that like cold turkey, not like phasing out kind of thing? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Like some things we cold turkey, we're not doing that anymore. Some things we phased out over probably the course of like three to six months. I'd say, I mean, I don't, I, I don't remember the percentages, but I, let's say like 700 of it. I said I was cold turkey. We're not doing that anymore. And then the other 500, we probably phased out over three months because of just like contracts and, and relationships and stuff that we didn't want to let down. Uh, but within six months, I got rid of all of it. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And have you found like a big difference between the different like remodeling versus roofing versus, you know, other types of businesses? A difference from what perspective? I guess in terms of the marketing and sales, has that been dramatically different? Not really. I mean, I think, you know, going back to your question earlier, I'd say like, you know, personal branding is the best way to do it. You know, there's a little bit of a different approach if you're in more of the reactive world, like you're a service company, like plumbing, electrical, HVAC, because it's more like people need to think of you immediately when they need you. So it's a little bit different, but I think from the rest of it, from a marketing and sales perspective, there's always nuances depending on what you're selling and who you're selling it to. There's no cookie cutter answer. So there's always going to be some differences. For the most part, I think if you're doing a good job relating to your audience, relating to your market, being visible, being consistent, you know, operating with integrity, both online and in person, if you're a different person in your content than you are in person, you're failing. You know, if you're catfishing your entire audience base because like you're one person online and completely different in person, you're going to fail because again, you're, you're diluting the trust factor. You're diluting your audience's ability to trust. I'm the same person everywhere. Like whether I'm on your podcast, my podcast, YouTube channel, Instagram, on my coaching calls with my clients, I talk this way all the time to everybody. And I was very intentional with that from the beginning because like, look, I dropped an F-bomb here, right? I don't want somebody following my content hiring me as a coach. And like the first call, I'm like, I'm like, tell them, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't want the first time they hear me dropping an F-bomb is, the, <laughs> is post-contract, right? right? Yeah. And so if you're hiring me, you've been following me for any point, you've been listening to the Big Stud podcast, you've been watching me on YouTube, like, you know exactly what you're getting when you hire me. And so like, you're basically, you get to taste the product per se before you buy. And so if your audience, they don't know anything about your process, anything about how you operate, anything about who you are, both professionally and personally, they're not knowing who's showing up to their house. 
And that's a problem, in my opinion. So I don't think there's a big difference between remodeling, roofing, siding, plumbing, HVAC. I think maybe like how you share what you're doing, you know, what you share about what you do might be different, but like getting very open and transparent and vulnerable is is by far the best tactic when it comes to marketing and sales and, and content distribution. What do you think is the biggest commonality in terms of mindset of the successful clients that you've had? Willingness to try new things is probably like the, is, is the easy answer. You know, the clients I have that push back and fight the, the suggestions I give compared to the clients that just go take action, wildly different success and growth. You know, I'll give you an example. So I, I had two remodeling companies, we'll say A and B. Um, one guy, every, I do every call we had, he took his task list and he had it done by the next call. He took his company from 1.8 to 3.8 million. And he went from a 2% profit margin to a 13% profit margin. That's huge growth, both gross and net. Now take contractor B, who pushed back a little bit, didn't take as much action, grew a little bit, but like maintained a lot because like he was just hesitant to change. And do like, do I know everything? No, but the advice I give is typically valuable and it typically helps create positive change. So the biggest mindset difference would be how effectively people are willing to to take information and implement it, whether they understand it or they're a little afraid about it. You know, when you pay an expert, like a coach, you pay that they're going to bring you valuable advice. Listen, people who listen tend to get better results than people who don't. Um, But overall, like change is the underlying thing, right? Like whether you're hiring a coach or not, if you're, if you're afraid of changing your business model and you're doing it the same way you've been doing it for 10 years, you're failing. You may not see it yet, but you're failing. If you're not adapting and changing and innovating, your client base is going to become too young to want to do business with you. And you're going to blame the millennials. No, fuck you. It's your fault for not adjusting. Because like right now, if you don't know this, the number one home purchaser in the world is a millennial. So if you're not adjusting your process to be more digitally focused and online centric, you're failing. And you may not see it yet, but you are going to. And if you don't change, you're going to blame the client base. And I promise you the client base is buying from somebody. So if you're not innovative and changing to the fact that your, your target audience is getting younger, you're going to fail. And failure is relative. Are you going to go bankrupt next year? Probably not. But like you're not going to grow because you're not relating to the current biggest buyer pool. Mm-hmm. I know people that still don't even have like proper websites or their email address is at gmail.com. Here's a piece of advice. If your email address is not at yourbusinessname.com, grow up. It's time. Buy the domain. Get your email set up. It's professional. If you're Mike's Construction at gmail.com, it looks like you're a hobbyist. It doesn't look like you're a real business. And I don't feel like I can trust you. That is my biggest pet peeve. So thank oh, you for like, saying that. I'm like, how long have you been in business? 10 years? What the fuck? <laughs> Come on. Like... Let's get with, but I don't even, I don't know how. Have you tried Google as a tool? It's a pretty powerful environment. Google, how to create a business email account. Like, let's not overcomplicate this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put a resource in the show notes on how to buy a domain. Google.com, G O O G L E.com. <laughs> how to input whatever you need, the information's out there. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mike, I'd love to switch gears a little bit before we clue up here. I know that you started a nonprofit. Tell us about that and and what inspired that. 
All right. So uh, my wife, Tiffany, and I started a, 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 a it's called a champions shoes. If you want to go to a championshoes.org or a champion shoes on Instagram is where we're, we're mostly uh, distributing content. But our, our mission is to create champion level confidence in children. Uh, we do that through uh, raising money and buying and distributing name brand shoes to underprivileged children throughout the country. And um, you know, I think we would all agree. I think even you would agree. There's like there's very few things that rela- that compare to putting on a new pair of shoes. And there's a significant amount of children out there that have never had a new pair of shoes or have never even had a, a pair of shoes that fit right. And so it, it kind of started uh, in 2020. At the end of every year, for like about the last 10 years, my wife and I have been together. We, we do what we call the balancing of our blessings at the end of the year. When, early in our marriage, there was a lot of volunteer work because we didn't have shit to give back. Like we were broke. And then, you know, it started turning into some money and then it started turning into some bigger checks and, you know, big checks to the church or other you know organizations that we were passionate about. And so 2020, I, I, at that point, I had a, uh, a four and two year old. Um, MJ was almost five at the time. And we want to get the kids involved and like, you know, writing a check is cool, but it doesn't mean anything to the kids. So we were on a family walk one day and I was like, MJ, we want to give back. What do, what do you love right now? And like most four year olds, like whatever's closest to his face, we'll go, like, I really like my new shoes. Great. Would it be so cool if you and I went to the store, we bought a hundred pair of shoes and we, we gave them away to kids who don't have new shoes. He'd be like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And so that was a plan. Originally it was a plan. I was going to take five grand. We're going to buy a hundred pair of shoes. We're going to give them away to kids who needed them. And I was driving home from the gym one day. Um, and I was like, why am I limiting it to a hundred pairs? And why am I limiting it to this year? But that's not really how Mike Claudio or Winray consulting does things. Um, so I came home and I Googled how to start a nonprofit and I followed the steps. And so we, 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 we launched officially the Black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving in 2020. So we're, you know, 15 months old or so we've raised, I think it's like $350,000 and we sent like 25 or, you know, 25 or 2,600 pairs of shoes at this point. Um, we're excited because we just hired our first employee officially, our first executive director. So we really want to like People are getting really amped about this mission and we want to have somebody who can put full-time effort into like making it happen. You know, I've been very hesitant to spend money on not shoes because of all like the bad taste in their mouths of people with nonprofits who don't, you know, use funds probably. But I realized if I don't spend a little bit of money on getting the right people involved in the business, because it's still a business, it's just a not-for-profit business. It just severely limits the mission. It severely limits the impact we're trying to make. So we're, she actually starts next week. Uh, so I'm really excited to have that and her put her full-time effort into helping the mission grow and, you know, really putting us in a position where, you know, we can really, really make a much larger, much larger impact with kids throughout the country. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And that's beautiful work that you guys are doing and so important. No, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Amazing. So I know our listeners are definitely going to want to connect with you. How can they learn more about you? Uh, I mean, the easiest way would be MikeClaudio.com. Like that's kind of my personal branded page. And then WinRateConsulting.com is the company. Um, at WinRateConsulting on Instagram is the best place to like connect with me directly. Like that's my primary engagement platform. Um, and obviously the Big Stud Podcast, if you like podcasts, you got the Big Stud Podcast. Yeah, that's probably it. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mike. This has been value packed and I so appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.